open your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 is where we'll be at today, so open your Bibles there. At the age of 35, Eric Weimayer is a phenomenal athlete who loves to skydive, loves to snow ski, and loves to climb mountains. As a matter of fact, mountain climbing is his specialty. As a matter of fact, he's one of the youngest to climb all seven summits, the highest peaks on the continents. At the age of 35, he's covered all seven of them. In 1995, he scaled Mount McKinley. In 1996, he scaled El Captain. 1998, Kilimanjaro. 1999, he climbed Argentina's Oconga. And May 25th of 2001, he even reached the summit of Mount Everest, a peak that 90% of those who climb never finish. Matter of fact, since 1953, 165 people have died trying to climb Mount Everest, but Eric made it. That's an extreme feat within itself. To accomplish all seven of the highest mountains by the age of 35. But that's only half the story. See, the rest of the story is that Weimeyer suffers from a degenerative eye disease that he lost his sight at the age of 13. And he's been totally blind ever since. And all of his climbs have been without the benefit of his eyesight. And he must ask the question... How can a man be blind and climb mountains? How can he do that? The peaks that people have climbed and lost their lives. You have to ask, how is that possible? And if you ask him, he'll tell you, I've learned to listen well. He said, I listen. He said, I listen to the bell that is tied to the back of my climbing mates. As they climb, I listen for the bell. He said, I listen when climbers are ahead of me and my partners are telling me and they're yelling out, death fall two feet to the right. He said, I listen well. He said, I listen well whenever I'm using my ice pick and I'm listening. Does it hit solid ground or is it going to be a hollow spot that I could step into and I could fall through? For Eric Weimeyer... Being a good listener is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. And the truth is, according to James, the book of James that we've been walking through, it's true for you and me too. Being a good listener to God's Word is a matter of of life and death. Listening, I mean really hearing, is the only way that we're able to follow the pathway that God has has planned for us, that He's put together for us. God's Word is so strong and so powerful. When we listen and do God's Word, we find great power. That's what it expresses in 2 Timothy when it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training righteousness, so that the man of God, you can put woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we understand God's Word, we allow it to shape us and guide us. This morning, my hope is that each of us in this room will become better listeners. That we'll want to strain to hear what God has to say to us and then be willing to do what we're hearing and listening and do this all day every day as we've been learning is the call of James. All day every day. Look at the text with me in James chapter 1 beginning in verse 19 today. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Do you hear what James is saying to us this morning? Do you capture what he's saying? James is addressing, again, the Christian people who were under persecution, who had been scattered, and they've been scattered because of the persecution. Remember, this is in the setting. It happens around Acts chapter 7, just after the stoning of Stephen, a man who lost his life for the gospel, and they're scattered abroad. And so James sent this letter out to Christians saying, here's how you're to live. And he's saying that you must be willing to listen and obey and to do. You must be willing to modify your behavior. In order to do this, I want us to look at three actions that I see in the text today to hear God's Word, to accept God's Word, and to do God's Word. Let's consider those for a moment. To hear God's words. James might have easily pointed out what maybe your mom or dad or grandma or grandpa said to you when you're a child. You have two ears and only what? One mouth. There's a reason why. James could have said that. He said, you have two ears and you have one mouth, and so probably have two ears so that you tune in and you listen. Or he expects us to spend more time listening than he does speaking. He wants us to listen in. But it's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard to be a good listener, especially in your conversation one-on-one? You want to get your opinion in. You want to get your, your input in. It's hard to draw back and listen because we believe that what we have to say is so important that we must get it out that we have a hard time stopping and listening. It's just in our nature. I know with our kids, we worked very hard in younger years and sometimes still now in the teenage years to get them to listen. It's a process. And it's a process that we as adults go through. It's a process because sometimes we're just like children. We have a hard time listening. We interrupt and we cut people off and, and we don't stop to hear what someone else is saying. We've, we have a hard time listening. When James writes this in verse 19 and says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, he wasn't just talking about our willingness to speak and not listen to others. He's actually talking about our willingness to speak and not listen to God. That's what he's talking about. As many times we speak and we don't stop and listen to God, you can't miss it within the context. Verse 19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted to you, which can save you. The, the only word planted to you which can save you that James is referring to is the word of God. He's saying the Word of God that's been planted. Don't miss the point that we need to be more interested in hearing what God has to say than telling Him what we think. We need to be more interested in opening this up right here and saying, God, what do you want to say to me? Instead of me expressing and saying, God, this is what I think and this is what I feel, we need to hear the Word of God. Statistics actually bear that out. According to George Barna, a Christian pollster, says in a given week, only about 37% of Americans will read their Bible, but 85% say they pray. That means we're doing a lot of talking and a lot less listening. It sounds to me that we're just quick to speak, but we're not so 
quick to listen to hear what God has to say. You and I need to make ourselves available to God's Word, is what James is saying. James is saying, you've got to make yourself available to hear from God. We need to hear it by reading it from ourselves. We need to, we need to hear it by, by hearing it preached and, and hearing it taught and allowing the Word of God to enter into our heart and our mind. Proverbs 18 says this. Proverbs 18 says, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. And the ears of the wise seek it out. I mean, that word seek means I want to go find it. That word seek means I'm going after it. The word seek doesn't mean I sit back and wait for it to come to me. The word seek means I'm going to go search it because I want it so much. I want to hear the Word of God so much, I'm going after it. Let me ask you, how much are you in the Word of God? This crazy culture that we live in that just runs and goes, how much are you just hearing the Word of God and listening to it? What are you spending your time with? If you did a, a time inventory and you wrote down and said, well, how much time am I watching TV on a certain day or within a week's span? How much time am I reading magazines or books or work-related materials or sports page or, or looking at blogs or listening to podcasts or listening to radio or involved in social media? I hear people say, I don't know when I have time to get in God's Word. I just want to say, turn off your social media for 10 minutes. And we can spend so much time and all this other stuff that draws us away from the Word of God and God's Word needs to speak to us. We need to be listening to the Word of God like Eric Weiermeyer was listening for those bells, for those warning signs from his fellow climbers, the sounds of the pick in the ice to say, God, where are you directing me? God, where are you leading me? God, where are the pitfalls? God, where are the hard spots I'm going to run into? We need to be listening to that and we hear that from the Word of God. We need to be listening as if our life depends on it. Because quite frankly, it does. It does. James goes on to say it's not enough to just hear the word. You have to move beyond hearing it. And you have to accept the word of God. To accept it as truth. There's a great saying that some have written in the front of their Bibles. It says, this book will keep you from sin. And sin will keep you from this book. Stop and think on that for a moment. This book will keep you from sin. So when you read it and you hear it and you start to accept it, you'll start to recognize things that don't honor God, sin. At the same time, though, when sin is in your life, you say, I'm going to put that away. I don't really want to hear it. I don't want to read it. I don't want to be around it. See, it's so true. The more we allow sin to control our lives, the less we are willing to expose ourselves to God's Word because we don't want to be corrected. You ever notice that in your life? We don't want to be convicted. It's the same with our parents when we're growing up. When we've done something wrong, usually what do we do? We run and we hide and we avoid our parents. It's kind of like Adam and Eve did in the garden. They hid from God. They covered themselves up. I remember when I was a, when I was a teenager and I forged my mom's signature as a child on a paper that was supposed to be turned in. I, I hid from my mom and dad for quite a while. What a relief it was when I finally got caught and can confess and deal with my, the errors of my way. We do that. We have sin in our lives, and, and we do the same thing with God, that when we're not living according to His plan, we want to run. We want to ru run from Him. We want to hide from Him. We don't want to be around His Word. We don't want to go to worship. We don't want to be in a small group. We don't want to be around Christian friends and think, ah, that may bring some conviction in my life. And so we stay away. It's not pleasant to be confronted with the fact that we're not living up to our potential. So what do we do? We will avoid the subject altogether. We find ways to, to bypass anything of God and His Word and, and His people. On the other hand, 
It's by an act of the will that we position ourselves to accept God's Word. Look at verse 21 in James 1. It says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the Word planted in you, which can save you. Notice that James says we must get rid of some things before God's Word will flourish in our heart. We must do away with some things. We have to rid ourselves of moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. I like what the King James Version says. It says, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Get it out of your life. Get it out of your life. Don't embrace the things of this world that are not of God. What James is saying here is that our heart is like a garden. And the things that we plant within it are kind of fruit that we will bear. You don't plant potatoes and reap corn. One of the absolute axioms of life is that you reap what you sow. And if you want to reap godliness, you'll never do it sowing ungodliness. So let me ask you this morning, what's been reaping in your heart lately? What have you been allowing in your heart? Do you lie regularly? Ah, it's just a little white lie. Oh, it's just to cover that little bit up. Are you living a life of 100% honesty and saying, God, I want to be honest in all situations? Do you lean more towards greed or, or generosity? Do you want to hold on to all the stuff and say, oh, this is all my stuff? Or do you see it, you know what, God's blessing me with this stuff so that I can be a blessing to others? Have you trained your mind to meditate on God's Word or are you more apt to stew over the wrong that someone has done for you or done to you? See, what we sow in our heart is what will come out of our heart. It's something draining of your spiritual vitality so that you can't imagine what it would even feel like to be vital, to be in a growing relationship with God. Are you just kind of going through the motions because there's challenges and difficulties and sin in your life that God's saying, you've got to get rid of that. You've got to get that stuff out of your mind or heart. James says, make a choice to rid your life of that filthy weed and allow God's Word to grow and prosper in your life. You say, oh, that's easy to say, Brian, but how do I do that? How is that possible? I've been dealing with, and you fill in a blank for, for months, or I've been dealing with, you fill in a blank for years. How do you do it? You have to get real honest, and you have to confess to another Christian brother or to another Christian sister and say, I've got to get real honest with you. I have this struggle, and you fill in a blank whatever the struggle is. I have this challenge, and you have to sit down with them one-on-one -on -one and say, I need your help. Would you walk through with me? Would you hold me accountable? I want to overcome whatever the trial is, whatever the struggle is, whatever you're reaping in your heart. You say, I want it out of my life. It will not leave your life until you tell somebody else about it. And I encourage you, ladies, to share with ladies and men to share with men, but to go and to spend some time just confessing and then saying, help. Help me walk through this. Help me to overcome so that God has all of my heart and not just part of it. And James dives into the conclusion of this discussion by urging us to do more than just hear God's Word. He even challenges us to go beyond simply accepting it. He says we need to hear it, we need to accept it, and then we need to do it. And it's a process. It's a process of hearing and accepting, but true belief is, is faith in action. And that's what James is talking about. All day long, every day. All day long, and that's what James gets into. Then he says, now you've got to go do this. James is very insightful. He's an elder in the Jerusalem church. He's known as, as the pastor of pastors, so to speak. He no doubt sees people coming into worship, coming and gathering in temple, coming into small group Bible studies. He's seen all that, and he's seen people sit around and, and play around with the Word of God and then walk away and not do it. And so he says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
to be a doer of the Word. Several years back, the annual convention, the American Heart Association, met in Atlanta. That year, they had about 300,000 doctors and nurses and researchers who gathered to discuss, among other things, the importance of low-fat diet plays in keeping our hearts healthy. Some researcher did uh, checking around and found that during the meal times, those people consumed fat-filled fast food, such as bacon, cheeseburgers, and fries, about the same rate as people from other conventions. When one of the cardiologists was asked whether or not his partaking in a fat meal set a bad example, he replied, not me, because I took my name tag off. I wonder if we're the same way, though. I wonder if we're the same way. How amazing it is that we can read this and hear it and then take our name tag off and put it aside and say, hmm, I don't really need to do it, though. Take our name tag off of Christian. Take our name tag off as Christ follower. Take our name tag off as one who's been saved by the blood of the Lamb. See, it's amazing how we can disconnect our behavior from our knowledge. We can hear something. We can even accept it as true and never let it change our behavior. See, we may find it humorous when we're talking about doctors or researchers. It's disheartening and incredibly damaging when we're talking about our ability to hear and accept the Word of God and yet live lives of disobedience. Our world needs more than ever for Christians to live out what they understand the Word of God to be telling us to do. Our world needs to see the Gospel lived out in and through us. Let God's Word change you. That's James' rallying cry all day long, every day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday to let God's Word infiltrate your head and your heart and your mind and let it change you all day long, every day. You see, there are a lot of Christians who mark their Bibles, but there are too few who let their Bibles mark them. See, you may go through and underline in your Bible and highlight in your Bible, and I have underlines and highlights. They mean absolutely nothing if it's not making a change in who you are. And you may have the prettiest, highlighted, underlined, marked up Bible with bent pages and the cover wearing off, but if it's not changing who you are, it's not changing who you are, then you're not following what God's Word wants you to do in terms of being a doer of the Word. It's easy to hear the Word of God and say, yeah, I hear that, but it's not what I think or that's not what I feel. Let God's Word dwell in you. Let it grow within you. Let it swell within you until it motivates you to do something that is a challenge. James says that we become motivated to change by looking in the mirror. Look what it says in verse 23. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after he looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently at a perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. Men and women look at a mirror very differently, don't we? When you get up in the morning and a guy looks at it and goes, okay, let me look at my pillow face, throw some water on, jump in the shower, whatever, maybe walk by again, you're kind of done. Now there's a few, I know you spend a little bit more, especially some of these teenage boys now, you know, a little bit more extra primping, but as you get older, you don't look as much. 
Some of you ladies, I understand, you got to spend a little more time getting the makeup on, the curling iron out and all that. But most of us, we look by and as you get older, you start to notice, ah, there's a little extra wrinkle there, or there's a little bit extra chin there, or there's a little bit of extra this there. This week I was dealing with a sinus infection. I got up and looked one day and the, the bags in my eyes were just, my face was just so tight. I was like, oh my goodness, I feel miserable. And I look miserable. I looked in the mirror and went, I got to do something. How often do you look at this mirror right here and you set it aside and you walk away and you forget about it. James is saying this is a mirror. If you open it up and you look at it and it says, hey, your attitude's been bad and you need to change your attitude, do you adjust to that or do you just say, ah, oh, forget about it? Say so you've been dealing with dishonesty. Do you, do you look at that and say something's got to change or forget about it? Or you haven't been honoring me in worship. Do you say, oh, I've got to change that or I just forget about it? James is saying when you look at this and it tells you to love your neighbor, you've got to say, am I loving my neighbor? When it's telling me to serve my neighbors, are you serving your neighbor? When you see the, the, the call of the gospel and you look at this mirror, are you willing to do it is what James is crying out. There's two ways I think you look at God's word. One is a very superficial way. You can read a chapter and say, oh, I accomplished reading a chapter. Move from listening and taking the phase of, of our conversation with God and then pray. Well, God, I read your word. I'm going to pray. Now I'm done. I'm going out of here. When we do that, that's like glancing in the mirror. I just walked by, I glanced real quick, and I moved on. Or you can look at God's Word, and you can engage in God's Word in a life-change way. A life-change way is when we read it with a mindset and an attitude asking God to change us, asking God to grow us. Is it time for God and us to consider who we are and who we are within Scripture? When you want to read in a life-change way, you don't just glance at it. You take inspection of God's Word, some pondering. You ask questions in conversation with God, like, God, will you speak to me in a special way? And you allow time for that to happen. You ask God, God, what are you trying to say to me in this passage? You make it very personable because this Word is written each and individually to all of us right here in this room. And you take the time and say, God, make this personal. God, how should I live differently? When's the last time you read Scripture and said, God, because of what I just read, how should I live differently? When's the last time you read Scripture and you read it and you said, because of what I just read, what do I need to change inside of me? God, what do you want to work on inside of me? God, what do I need to hear from you? See, we need to listen to God's Word as if our life depends on it. When's the last time you read Scripture and said, God, what does that mean for me to be a different dad? What does that mean for me to be a different mom? What does that mean for me as a parent? What does that mean for me as a spouse? What does that mean for me as a coworker? What does it mean for me as a, as a friend? What does it mean for me as a neighbor? When's the last time you just taken Scripture and you read it and say, God, make this apply to me. What am I supposed to hear from you? Notice again what James says in verse 25. It says, but the man who looks intently, intently in the perfect law, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. We don't, know, need, we don't go beyond the surface because we don't want to see the imperfection. But God says keep looking and to look intently. That's to dig in, not, not just to skim over. And he says, I will bless you and remold you into what I want you to be. And amazing things happens when we look intently in God's word. When we hear the word, we accept the word, we choose to do the word, transformation occurs. Our driving focus at Center Point Christian Church is connect, center, change. Connect people with God, center lives on Christ so that change happens. Change happens when you look intently into the word of God. In the book of Exodus, there's an account when Moses was able to enter into the presence of God. 
It's an awesome account. It says that his countenance was changed. You might say that he glowed from experiencing the presence of God. When he came back among the people, he wore a veil to hide the fact that the glow was growing dimmer and dimmer. He kept the veil on. In 2 Corinthians, Paul reminds us that about that occurrence, and then he tells us that if we hear and we accept and do the will, of, the, the will of God, a supernatural transformation occurs. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians. Paul writes these words and says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are be transformed in His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul's saying that when you spend time with God and you allow God to change you, you'll start to reflect God. You'll start to glow, making that reference back to Moses. So when you look in the mirror today, is what you see more like the Lord than where you were two years ago or three years ago or five years ago? When you look in the mirror of the Word of God today, do you see a person that's being transformed, a person that's changing, or is it still the same old, same old? See, if you're really listening to God's Word, it is. And just in case you don't know what that life looks like when it transforms you, James spells that out in verse 26 and 27. He says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceives themselves. And the religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, when you let God's Word affect you, when you not only hear and accept it, but you determine to do it, It'll cause you to seek purity in your life. It'll cause you to look at your tongue. It'll drive you to find ways to help others, especially those who can't help themselves. And Paul's driving that home saying, listen, if you are really allowing the Word of God to change you, you'll notice it in the way you speak, but you'll also know it in the way you treat people and people who need an extra hand. The more like God you become, the less absorbed you will be. See, the more you listen to Him as your life depends on it, the more you will be captivated by God and motivated by the needs of others to help. That is when you're most like God, when you're loving others so much that you can't help but help them when they can't help themselves. Thank God He's like that. Because we need His help. Our life depends upon His mercy and His grace. Our life depends upon what God did for us in Jesus Christ and sending Him to the cross. When we are separated from Him by our sin, helpless in our state of death, God reached out and spoke. The Word became flesh. The Apostle John wrote and dwelt among us. How foolish we would be not to listen to one who came to direct us from this life to the next one. James is pointing us right back to what Jesus did. Jesus knew the Word, and He accepted the Word, and he, and he did the Word. And now the call for us from James is to do that in our lives all day, every day. Bow your heads with me. Father God, this world cries out, Lord, with so much distraction to keep us from the Word of God. And Lord, we know that one of the biggest distractions is the evil one himself who wants to keep us busy from doing the Word and wants to keep us busy from accepting the Word and wants to keep us busy from hearing the Word. And Father, I pray. I pray, Lord, that in these times, in this culture, that we would be people, this body, Centerpoint Christian Church, would be people who would hunger for Your Word. Would You, would you create in us a, a hunger to want to to hear your word and to accept it and to do it. And Lord, I pray that as 
as you preach a message like this, Father, I know that sometimes the temptation is just, oh, it was a good message and go home. Lord, I pray that doesn't happen today. I pray, Lord, that today we'll spend time contemplating and this week we'll spend time thinking as we engage with the growth guide and, and thinking about the, the personal devotional time. Lord, I pray that you'll drive us to your word, that you'll create a hunger in us like we've never had a hunger before for your word to hear it and to accept it and then a hunger to be people who do it. Lord, this world needs us to be living out your scripture. This world needs us to, to do your word. Father, this world needs us to accept and follow the example of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for that example of Jesus. And we celebrate that every week here, Lord, at Center Point in communion, the example of Jesus giving up his life for us, his death, his burial, and resurrection. We celebrate in that communion, Lord, and as we receive our emblems this morning, we say thank you. We thank you for that body that was shed on the cross. We thank you for the blood that was was shed for us that would cover our sin. And Lord Jesus knew the word and he demonstrated the ultimate sacrifice of his life. Lord, help us to follow the example of Jesus in our lives. Help us to be people who live lives of sacrifice as we understand your word to do that and even when it calls us to sacrifice. Father, we honor you and we worship you this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen.